politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Adam! <coughs> oh? Oh. I see you're practicing to do radio trailers. Well, my wife actually said, enough with the screaming and the yelling on your part. I'm getting bored. (laughs) I've been saying that for weeks. Travis, what do you think? Yes. Did you guys see this article about Zelle, et cetera, Venmo? Yeah, and they're they're basically saying to the the banks are saying to their customers, eh, go to Zelle. And then, (laughs) you know what, but... You can't say that because it's against the law, and, and they still say, you know, go to Zell. Yeah, they say basically, no, no, you authorize it. You go, no, I didn't authorize it. Oh, of course you did. You existed. You had a cell account. That means you authorized it. Um, the instance I saw in this article was about a guy who actually got mugged, and the mugger made him open the phone, his phone, for his mugger. And he just sat there with his phone after he'd opened it with the dude's face, transferring out thousands of dollars to oh, wow. uh, another account. And then he just gave the phone back to his victim and was like, see you later, bub. Yeah. Welcome to the future. I mean, what a way to get mugged. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought that was a pretty horrible story. And, you know... This week's story, I also, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty rotten. It's a heartbreaker, but it, it, the story is someone who, you know, took, you know what, in both hands and said, <laughs> I'm not going to let this beat me. Uh-uh. And uh, we, we, we see somebody who has, you know, toughed it out. Resilience. Well, you know, Adam, I don't know if you know this, but the FCC... Uh, it said that it's okay to say lemon, lemon on air, or you said, you know, you know what, you you do know what, right? In both hands. Oh yes, take lemons in both hands, or limes, as the case may be. Take your piece of fruit in both hands. <laughs> yeah, and it does. This episode really is about some piece of bananas. <laughs> who did a number? Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, cyber shrink next door. I'm Bo, and I've listened to the shrink next door. And I'm Travis, cyber mental patient. (laughs) And today we talk to a teacher whose hacked Facebook account taught her a new lesson.
So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm fine. How about you? I'm good. Your story is just fascinating. Just fascinating and tragic in many ways. And you're working your way through it. And you're in the process of becoming, as they say, victim to victor. Yes. Let's start with where are you from? I am, well, goodness, that's a good question. I grew up in Oklahoma. I live here in Oklahoma now. But when I'm in the classroom and my teachers, or my not my teachers, but my students ask that kind of a question, I tell them that I have actually entered the United States, but I've never left. And then I watch the little wheels turn in their head and um, come to find out. Somebody will usually figure out, wait a second, you weren't born here? And I say, no, I was born in Japan because my dad was in the Air Force and we were stationed over there uh, for two years. And I was born like nine weeks before we left. Talk a little bit about kind of the world that you live in. I am a teacher and a writer, and I love doing both things, and I love blending those two things together and kind of throwing some art in there as well. And so I tell my students and you know people who ask, like you guys, for example, um, I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was seven, and then I forgot for 30 years. <laughs> and so I ended up becoming a writer instead, and I did that for a while. I was a newspaper reporter working at some local papers here in the Oklahoma City area. And then I had kids and realized that the two to 10 shift and, you know, covering tornadoes and shootings and all kinds of other weird things didn't work with having children at home. And so I left that career. And after about a year, started a web design and hosting company, basically taught myself how to write HTML code and CSS and how to 
you know, tell that into a server and use Unix code to make the changes I need to on files and did that for about almost 10 years. And then both kids were in school and I decided it was time to, you know, kind of give back to my community. And I noticed that I had um, clients who were really good at communicating with their market and were very successful as a result. And then people who kind of just didn't really know what they were doing or why they were doing it or how to communicate it. And so they weren't very successful. And I thought, you know, maybe if I could get a hold of people a little earlier and help them be better writers and better communicators and help them to kind of see, you know, what they had to offer the world and what you know, how to kind of get themselves plugged into society, then we, they could be more successful. And so I became a high school and middle school English teacher for about 10 years. And I recently stepped out to pursue my doctorate in instructional leadership and academic curriculum with a concentration in English education. It only took me a couple of years to be able to spit that out like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've got kids now that are also starting their own companies. There's a couple of former students who are run, running a landscaping company, and I've been helping them get that set up and their website and what have you. And I've got some people, you know, selling some wax melts and candles and some other students selling other things. Just, you know, I think they saw what I was doing with my website while I was teaching. I also started selling lesson plans and professional development online on my own site. And so I'm just basically, I love being an entrepreneur as well. So I guess I should throw that in there. So teacher, writer, and entrepreneur. That's me and that's my world. And I'm just trying to make it a better place and help people, you know, be who they're supposed to be. It sounds fascinating. So you were, you were basically a sort of self-made coder. Um, Travis is sitting here looking pretty jealous <laughs> i can do that stuff i can't i can't, I can't. hey i spent two hours once back in like 2001 trying to post a picture online and there was html code and bb code for the forum that i was on and i couldn't figure them out and i was just so mad at myself i'm like i've got to figure this out and learn how to do this because i feel like an idiot right now and so that inspired me to teach myself <laughs> Take a look at Adam right now. Now, he's actually 28 years old, but he's been having trouble for the past five years figuring it out. And... But what I finally figured out, what I finally figured out, at least with Bo Travis and me, is that I just do 1-800-TRAVIS and all of my technical difficulties go away. But Adam, if you treat Michelle well today, you know, you could do 1-800-MICHELLE as well. I like this. Maybe we could uh, split the shift. Yeah. And I'll send an invoice. Maybe she'll <laughs> Not a problem. help you out. Maybe <laughs> just have us on speed dial. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so, so what, what did you do with that site? So right now I have two websites, kind of the same market in terms of they're all teachers or that's who I'm targeting. And that's my Rethink ELA website. And, and so I have a podcast there. I write blog posts and I have lesson plans. And now I'm working on professional development that I'm offering to teachers in that market. Are you a teacher in a school or your website is the school? Um, I was a teacher in a school until last semester, which is a whole other story. Um, but my website is just for the English teachers who are in classes and who are, you know, have middle and high school kids that they're trying to 
to reach. The other website is rethinkyourlifestyle.com and it's for teachers who realize, okay, I can't deal with teaching anymore or in the classroom anymore and I need to do something else and I want to start my own business. How many teachers are you communicating with right now? Right now, um, my mailing list at Rethink ELA has 18,500 and some odd teachers on it. Oh, wow. wow. And growing daily. One question I have is um, for people who are trying to rethink their lifestyle, what proportion of them are the middle school teachers? Just because that's what I've always heard is the most difficult age to teach. That is the most difficult age as somebody who's taught both. Oh, my word. Um, it's because they have so much energy and they need you so much. And there's like only one of me and I just keep getting older and they sure. keep getting younger. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a big transition for you to move from the classroom to actually the web? Because you weren't getting that immediate reaction anymore. But al but also, Adam, it's striking that how uh, yeah. Michelle... I was really interested in how you were engaging the students. That's a real skill set to uh, to have kids who are absolutely out of their minds with hormones, with, with energy, with I mean that smell. Anyway, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the time they they feel they, that's being stolen from them, and and. And to get them to engage, that's that's no joke. As a job where I was just teaching, I had this kid in my class who kept arguing with me about what we were doing and why we were doing it, which I like because that forces me to justify what I'm doing. And if I can't justify it, I should be doing something else. So I would explain to him, this is why we're doing this. And then he had the opportunity, or I asked him to help me with another kid I was having trouble with, and he did. And I realized, wow, this kid is a leader. And he was also quarterback on our football team until he broke his leg. Um, so he, let's see, in 2018, and this will be part of the rest of my story, but in 2018, my house burned down. And he messaged me and said that um, he had decided, you know, that, you know, asked if I needed anything. I didn't. And he said, told me that he had decided that he was going to major in English in college and that I was one of the teachers who helped inspire him to be an English teacher because um, I'd made English class fun. I'm like, wow. And then I cried and then it was okay. And I was very happy. But even better than that, when I left that particular school and I actually left that school last at the end of last year, um, I was kind of concerned about my kids. You know, who's going to take care of my kids? That school called him and hired him. So my student took that job and I'm like, hallelujah, my kids are going to be taken care of. I mean, he is kind of like a local legend in that community and he's a great leader. I know he cares about the kids. And so I know that they're being taken care of. And so I guess what I want to know is that skill set is really something. And when you stop being in a classroom, did you use it for anything? It's quite a gift to have, and it seems like it would need to go somewhere. Well, what I'm doing right now is I'm also the Oklahoma Writing Project graduate assistant, which means I help that um, organization. Um, we're teachers, we're teaching teachers, and so I'm taking what I know and helping other teachers um, do the same thing. Also on my website, I'm putting together professional development to share my story with teachers, and you know this is how you can engage students. So take a look at the students you have in front of them, figure out you know what they're about, what their interests are, and then find stories that are um, 
related to that. And then also from the writing angle, help them share their stories because everybody's got a story. Help them tell that story. You know, help them write that personal narrative or that poem. Um, and so through Rethink LA, I'm working on helping teachers, younger teachers who have more energy than I do and more years left in them, um, helping them to do the same things that I've done and take that same journey. My sense that my sense talking to you is I don't know how anybody could have more energy than you have. So I'm very impressed. <laughs> this spring, get out there, enjoy the weather and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities. It's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means you get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The kinds of things that you went through and the kinds of lessons you learned are so very, very important to share with young people. Yeah. Why don't we kind of start at the beginning? What happened? April 9th, I had gone to, with my my kids, my grown children, they're 19 and 22 now, but I'd gone to the car wash with them and we'd washed my car and we had just pulled into the driveway and I put the car in park, picked up my phone, um, noticed that there was something from Facebook or just went to Facebook. And I, as I, as I logged in or went to the app actually, I was taken to a screen saying that somebody had tried to log into my account from Los Angeles and it, you know, had that button, you know, if this was you, click yes. If this was not you, click this other button. And so I clicked the other button saying that this was not me. And as I was resetting my password, my screen suddenly switched one saying that I'd violated Facebook's community standards and that I could request a review of the decision, which I did. Um, and then it kept telling me, you know, over the days that followed that, um, it would usually take over a little over a day for them to review my information. Um, and then it, it was just kind of a mess from there. And I started doing research and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly had happened and what I could do about it. I sent emails, every Facebook email address I could find, um, including their, you know, PayPal at Facebook something or other. And um, 
which that was that was bad enough and, and why that was bad is because I lost connections with people that I've known, you know, like since high school. I had, you know, 700 and some odd friends and, you know, since then I, you know, have set up another account and they've started kind of rebuilding, but, you know, and only have like 200 and some of them back. Um, one of the people, or two people that I know of for sure have actually passed away, including my sister. And so I can't get that connection with her account back because she's gone. And like Facebook will tell you, oh, you know, eight years ago today, you posted this, that's gone. Those, those memories or the reminders of those memories are gone. Um, you know, and when they would also mess or send a, a notification saying, you know, it's somebody's birthday or this is some a connection that you've had with this person, you know, here's your friend anniversary. All of that has gone. A bunch of um, Facebook groups that I was a member of, um, I was immediately kicked out of them. And then also the Facebook groups that I and pages that I had, I lost a lot of those too. So now... Fortunately for me, in terms of my business, I run my businesses or both um, segments of my business on my own websites. So, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, make sure that you are building your business on your own website. I build mine on a self-hosted WordPress, so, um, and I host them myself too. But if I were hosting with somebody else and I needed to move it, I could download my website and move it elsewhere. And I keep backups on my website. Right. Because otherwise with a social media network, you're just, you're providing meta with content that should rightly be yours. Exactly. Exactly. So build your content on your own website and then just push it out as like to your people there and bring them back to your website and build your list there. That way, um, if you do lose that connection, then you can um, still reach out to people through the email list. When you were notified by Facebook that you'd violated community guidelines, did they show you or tell you what the problem was? It just said something about... You still have the message? I didn't take a screenshot at the time because I didn't realize what had happened. So you get this warning. You've never seen this kind of warning before. No screenshot. But generally they tell you, you know, because you said this or that about COVID or January 6th or I don't know, somebody's mother, you did, you know, whatever it was you did, that it, maybe it was hate speech or maybe you're harassing somebody or maybe you posted something that was wrong or patently illegal. So... Nothing like that. They gave you no indication of what the issue was. So the first notification I got was that somebody had tried to log into my account from Los Angeles. I was sitting right. in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Right. I, and I really need to say that as somebody who's in education, it's very important to me that people know that I did not do whatever it is that the hacker did. Mm -hmm. Right. Got you. I mean, no, we get it. Yeah. We totally understand. And, and, um, and this happens all the time and facebook is actually really hit or miss when it comes to telling you that there is a there's a i mean especially this that there's a login from a location other than the one they know you to be in so and they could easily do that i mean really yeah without breaking a sweat so so but but you but you did get a notification and that that is great and then i got a second notification as i was trying to reset my password and it said, saying that I had violated community standards and that I could re request a review, which I did, and uploaded a photo of my driver's license to show I was really me. And then after that, whenever I'd opened the Messenger app, 
Um, it would say, it would tell me that images or videos of child sexual abuse had been posted. Oh, wow. So now let's stop for a moment. Now, when you submitted your driver's license, your your authentication, you yeah. know, when you were authenticating yeah. yourself to Facebook, were you communicating with them through the Facebook app on your phone? Yes. Okay. That sounds relatively safe. Travis? That's mm-hmm. what I thought, too. If I was in the app, then I should be okay. Yeah. Um, I thought... And- and you were responding to something that looked like a Facebook communication, and you're savvy enough to know if something, maybe something's awry there. If it doesn't, if it perhaps isn't actually from Facebook, you know what those signs look like. Yeah. Sometimes there are uh, groups on Facebook that will contact you saying that they're with uh, Facebook uh, terms and services or what have you, and saying that you've uh, submitted something in violation of that. Right. And so they'll reach out to people just saying uh, they'll change their name to something like Facebook uh, Community Standards. And then they'll send it you wasn't a anything yeah, like that. Right. I was locked out of my account, and the screen that as soon as I went to Facebook.com on my on the on in a browser or went to my app, mm-hmm. it would immediately take me to that screen saying you violated the standards. Yep. You can't. You're locked out. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, totally, totally yeah. makes sense. Just wanted to make sure that if yeah. anyone's listening, that they also know that that's a uh, scam out there on the platform as well. Yeah. Yep. Next yeah. thing you know is that you know, so you're you're there and. You've been notified that you've posted something absolutely outrageous and illegal. Okay. And you've been told about that. You've protested it. All that in the meanwhile, does anything else happen? Nobody's approached you for ransom. Nobody has said, well, I did this. No, but what I did notice, and I know I had gone to the bookstore and this was after trying to get logged back in and what have you. And it was sometime later, I think it was probably in May by the time this started happening. I received a notice from my bank saying that Facebook had charged my credit card, my debit card for like a hundred and some odd dollars. And like, wait a second, I don't even have access to my Facebook account. I'm not spending money on Facebook. And the reason why my credit card was attached to my Facebook is because I'd run some ads for my business um, through my Rethink ELA Facebook page and for, you know, some of my units and what have you. And so I contacted my bank and told them what was going on and um, ended up going down there and they helped me file a dispute and um, we took care of that and I, I got that money back. Oh, and we canceled my credit card or that debit card and I immediately got a new one. So like the next weekend, I noticed another charge try to go through, but it was denied. And then followed up moments later was a charge through my PayPal account. So I had had my PayPal account attached as well. And so they took like 300 and some odd dollars through my PayPal account. And so I filed a dispute through PayPal. And I think I said something about it wasn't me or, or I don't remember which um and I'd have to go back and look through my communications. I don't remember which dispute reason I chose, but it was denied. So I called PayPal and somebody actually answered the phone. And, and this whole time I've been trying to get a hold of Facebook and I cannot get a human being there at all. But I call Facebook, uh, somebody gets on the phone with me and you know says, okay, um, you know, listen to my story, says this is the kind of thing happens, um, here's what we need to do. And that person refiled the dispute for me as goods not received. And so what happened is that would force Facebook to submit evidence that the goods had been received, in this case, the advertisement that the hacker purchased through my account. Um, 
And so Facebook, apparently, I called back later to find out what was going on with that. And apparently Facebook had submitted a response. So they had responded to PayPal, so not to me. But the response wasn't evidence that the advertising had been received. And so PayPal approved my dispute and I got my money back. Well, that's good that you got your money back. So do you, you might have a theory as to who's behind all of this. Well, I do have a theory based on what I learned later. Um, I had a another profile on Facebook for under a pen name because I'm an aspiring novelist. And so I took that over and got back into some of my groups and my main page because I had um, either that profile set up as an admin or I had friends that I had set up as admin who let me back in. So I went to my Rethink ELA Facebook page and discovered that somebody had taken over as a, an administrator of it and changed the setting to where it could only be seen in one particular country. Hmm. And then they had put some advertisements that I, I don't know what they were advertising because I don't understand that language, but they had put some advertisements on the page. And then there were bunches of people replying to the advertisements out of that country. So my theory, and I could be totally wrong about this, is my theory is that they hacked my profile and then took over my page and made themselves administrators of it, uh, then violated my terms of service so that I didn't have access, access to my profile anymore and then started selling stuff on my page. Do you know where this profile that took over your account was located? Yes, I just am kind of leery of naming the country because I, I know people sometimes will judge an entire country by the actions of a few people, and I don't want to set that up. The reason I ask is because there are some uh, regions and some languages that people on Facebook that are looking to uh, run any number of uh, scams or hacks I'll gravitate towards because Facebook does not have as many content moderators who speak that language. There have been a lot of things coming from uh, Burma and some other uh, countries in that region because they're, yeah. everyone there has a Facebook account, so it's uh, widespread, but not that many people are employed by Facebook to keep an eye on what's being posted in that language. Yeah, It's also when, well, you know, sometimes you can get swarms of new followers on Meta's other company, Instagram. Mm-hmm. And they often come from that part of the world. They're also, that's that's not uncommon. Um, and these are people who are getting, you know, a quarter of a penny per click or something. Super uncool. One, uh, one other question I have is it sounds like you had that Facebook account for quite a while. Was it connected to any other accounts of yours? Um, like old email addresses or anything? Oh, that was part of the problem. I had connected as my recovery email address an email that I received through my alma mater, the school that I graduated from with my bachelor's. And they had offered email addresses to us like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 15 years ago, and then stopped offering that service. And I had completely forgotten about it at that point. And so I no longer had access to that email. And so Facebook at the very end, you know, kept saying, that they would send me a code to that particular email address in order to get my account back. Um, but I couldn't access that email address. And so as far as I can tell, that um, account has been deleted, disappeared, is no longer available. This is where cyber hygiene is actually an impediment. Now, had Michelle just used 000000, or Travis thinks <laughs> he's Lando, um, from Star Wars for her password, she'd be in like Flynn, but she, but no, but I bet she had, 
uh, good password hygiene. You know, it also brings to mind the concept that, you know, but good cyber hygiene also requires thinking about all of the former accounts that you have and just trying to go through them and delete them. So you don't have ghost accounts. That's right. true. Because yeah. they can't come back and haunt you if they're really dead and gone. Yes. Pretty sure there's uh, more than a few Friendster and MySpace accounts still floating out there that we'd uh, all rather forget about. But... <laughs> So, Michelle, did you lose a lot of money from this process of your debit card being attached to your account and compromised? It was less than $500 that they attempted to take, but PayPal and my bank got that back for me. The disputes worked. And did you get to see the ads they ran? Or did you not get to see the ads? I did see one ad, and I actually did take a screenshot of that, because at that point I was like, you know, I'm kind of going to record this. and Okay. This was my page. It still is. And this is the person who um, took over as, ad, ad, as admin and then let in several other people or put a couple other people in as admin. And that phone number does show up for a um, Facebook profile just called Abe's or Abby's. Um, and it just says fictional character. And uh, that's it. Oh, they sound like criminals. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. All right. But it looks like a shoe. They, they sell shoes and pillows from what I'm seeing. Like, so they really did just steal Michelle's account to sell stuff. Right. Looks like it. Yeah. Let me show you one more screenshot, if that's all right. Yes, please. Those are not very comfortable looking pillows. It looks no. like an alligator. I don't know. It look, it's right. scales. No, but they are decorative pillows. I mean, or like, what are they? What are they decorate? What are they decorating? They're decorating your couch that is a modern design couch of some sort. Okay, so there's all these different comments. One of the other things to keep in mind, too, is that if they build $500 for advertising, that might get you a lot further in other parts of the world than it would if you're just advertising in the U.S. Could have been as simple as that. Like, they mm -hmm. wanted to advertise their stuff with someone else's money. Michelle is nodding. Okay, fine. Let's say that's what happened. Let's say the hackers were just looking to get someone else to foot the bill to advertise their crocodile pillows for an oligarch's lego mansion that are a hybrid of ugly and really ugly um yeah if you're listening to this i can't imagine what your mental image is but these pillows are worse but <laughs> yeah no they're super ugly man yep. just looks it, it looks like a mistake let's just say that's what happened the emotional fallout from this is intense. You lost all of those updates, all of the stuff that Facebook gives you. Like I do enjoy seeing, here you are in 2000. I joined in uh, 2004. So here you are in 2008 with your kids. And uh, I mean, um, I'm not otherwise gonna find that picture, you know, uh, on that day and say, oh yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the yeah. roughest one for me. All your connections with the people severed as well. I mean, I lost so many connections with colleagues and people that um, both at my schools and at where I go to school and, you know, people I went to high school with, college the first time around, people I met during my master's program and, you know, people um, 
that I had even met yet, but I'm learning from them online because, you know, I'm, I'm working on getting started on my dissertation and I'm trying to figure out a kind of a different kind of qualitative research um, and kind of art based or narrative based. And I'd made some connections and some groups with people who have kind of paved that or blazed that trail for me. And that was all gone. Well, yeah, especially because, you know, Facebook for a lot of us is is the only way we keep in touch with certain people. We don't even have their phone numbers. Yeah. And 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 legacy pages. I mean, this is really hard. Yeah. You know, that's the roughest one for me, Adam. Uh, it's, it's the legacy page. Um, because, you know, once they turn to legacy after person passes, the only person that can be on that page are the people who were friends at the time of death. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's... That's, that's, that's super hard. And I, I, I mean, actually, in my case, I will say that this has happened um, to me, uh, not quite, but in a, in a way with a family member who got hacked and the page went away. And, and, it, and it does feel like you just, your stomach lurches because you just lost a ton of stuff, memories, photographs, you know, what to Facebook is just data, but yeah. but to you it's memories. Yeah, and that's kind of how what you said about Facebook we're data. I kind of feel like you know that really is what we are. We are just data, or even worse, we're the product. And then whoever has the most money, who's buying our eyeballs, they're the actual customer. And that's why I can't get a hold of anybody because I'm just a widget who you know fell off. things that 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 you know i've noticed if we've been we've been kind of following your progress on this is that you have you know you you didn't take this line down you, you basically went to war and most importantly you said i'm resilient i'm tough and now i'm going to share this experience with a lot of people so you've written a number of articles and you've done a number of postings where you have access where you talk about this is what happened to me, and this is what I've learned, and this is what you need to do. Can you share some of that with us? Yes, I can. Don't connect your Facebook with your Instagram. Um, if you have a debit card in your um, Facebook account, delete that and use a credit card instead if you really want to do advertising on Facebook, so protect yourself that way. Um, if you do get hacked, and you know that you have a card or PayPal connected to your Facebook, immediately cancel that card and cancel that PayPal billing agreement immediately, um, just to be on the safe side. And if you are a small business, make sure that you are building your business on your own website. Don't build your business on a Facebook page or on a, a Facebook um, group. 
make sure that what you do build there leads back, always leads back to your website and your mailing list. Let's say that together, everybody. I love it. I can't believe she just said that. It's like she's singing our song, Adam. If you're going to build something, don't build it on someone else's platform. You absolutely. It's like the cloud. I mean, you're storing your information on someone else's computer. Well, no, I reject that. No, I don't reject that, but but I do it, actually. Anyway, yeah, I use the cloud, whatever. I do. So do you, Travis. Um, but, I, but I still think uh, the more that you can do on your own platform, the better uh, you are, the better off you are. I mean, the less platform reliant you are. That really matters. But even then, I mean, let's just say you're using WordPress, for your site. I mean, you're still in some way, you know, not really even in, in a pretty obvious way, you're still platform reliant. Hey, WordPress, we're on you. There you go. Like, literally. So we're on your side. Just be nice. Anyway. Well, Michelle, listen, this is this has been, uh, you know, quite an experience for us. You're a remarkable person. We appreciate you sharing your story today. So look, if our listeners are interested in any of your work, uh, where can they find out? Where can they get more information about you? Well, if they are English teachers who are wanting to rethink their classroom practice, they can find me at rethinkela.com. And if they are either a teacher transitioning into an entrepreneurial side gig or career, or just, you know, a, a home, want, somebody wants to be a home business owner, I particularly like working with um, work at home moms then they can go to rethinkyourlifestyle.com. And I have several resources there to help people get started um, on their entrepreneurial journey or grow their websites or scale them. Travis and I will be visiting the Rethink Your Lifestyle <laughs> website in the next 24 hours or so. So we appreciate that. And if you are on Facebook, you can still find Michelle's Rethink ELA on the site. It's not the Rethink ELA that's selling pillows if you want to call them pillows. It's the real one. Yes, it is the real one. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you very much. This was great. Thank you for letting me share my story again. I appreciate that. Adam, you know, for me, Facebook is not something that I am not. Um, I don't really care one way or another. You know, I go sometimes. I don't really care one way or another, but I have gotten really used to the little memory lane stuff that they send. And it never occurred to me that were it to, I mean, were it to go away or were Facebook to say like, well, we want 20 bucks, 20 bucks a year for that, for that specific thing that you like, Bo. I, I would actually have an emotional struggle with that because I would still want to see all that stuff that dates back to 2004, but I wouldn't want to pay for it. And if someone just made it disappear, it would totally mess with me. 20 bucks would be a small price to pay for maintaining memories for over a decade. Oh, 100%. But like the mobster approach to it, like, you know, like we heard in this episode, Michelle was emotionally terrorized by the loss of this account. And rightly so. It's, it's not fair. The, situ the whole situation isn't fair. I mean, once I tried to download all those pictures, Adam, and there's, there's no doing it. Because, like, when I, when I, no, like, when I was, um, 
I was a heavy user in like 2004, 2005. How do you mean that? I mean that if Facebook were a drug, I would be in rehab. (laughs) (laughs) The takeaway with all this is that when you have these mega companies, Meta being mega, and the other ones, they really don't care about you. They care about you as a product. They care about you as a data set, provided this data set generates the money, but they have no desire to spend any money on you. And certainly the protections they provide for you are substandard in many cases. And there's there's no recourse with a lot of them or the recourse you get. You know, I had a friend whose wife always said, you know, buddy, by the time you finally do something, you might as well not have done it because I'm so angry at you. Well, this is what happens with a lot of these companies. It takes forever for them to do something. If they do something, in most cases, they don't do anything. And you're frustrated. It has takes an emotional toll, in some cases, a financial toll, in some cases, an emotional and financial toll. It's just, it's not fair. It's just not fair. listening and if you like the episode please give us five stars and leave us a review on apple podcasts what the hack with adam levin is a production of loud tree media it's produced by andrew steven you can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on instagram twitter and facebook at adam k levin